Hey gang, thank you for listening to our very special tribute episode to the late, great Neil Peart of Rush. We wanted to pay tribute to one incredible Canadian drummer by hearing from another incredible Canadian drummer. So we brought back former guest Barry Connors, drummer for the excellent Canadian AOR band, Toronto. Longtime listeners of the podcast may remember that going back to almost the very beginning, I think it was episode nine, called Canada Rocks, we featured Barry and Toronto lead singer Holly Woods, hearing their story and everything. And then the second half of that episode was with Rob Reiner, drummer for Anvil. That was a really fun episode. I think the sound quality wasn't that great, but uh, we made it work anyway. I'd like to think I've gotten better since then. We'll see. But anyway, as soon as Neil passed away, sadly and shockingly, I thought, who better to tell the story and to reminisce and to honor Neil Peart than with someone who actually grew up being influenced by him and listening to Rush from the very beginning and even knowing him a little bit. And so, as you know, now when, you know, big figures in the rock world pass away, we hope that we have someone in our archives who may have known that person or interacted with that person directly. And I thought Barry might be the perfect person to hear from. So we're going to kick it off right here. You're listening to Animate, which is one of my favorite Rush songs. It's on the Counterparts album. I'm a big believer in track ones. This is one of the best track ones ever. Certainly one of the best Rush track ones. But uh, I hope you enjoy this, uh, this conversation. We touch on Neil. We touch on very new John Rutsey, the original drummer of Rush. We talk about that. And we also get into what Toronto's doing these days. So I hope you enjoy this. Okay, well, Barry, like I said, it made perfect sense to me to talk to a, a fantastic Canadian drummer about maybe the best drummer ever, Canadian or otherwise. And I'm curious if you ever crossed paths with Neil. Did you ever meet him? Did you ever open for him? Anything? Okay, well, uh, I can tell you uh, back in the day, I used to go see Rush with the original drummer, John Rutsey. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the pleasure of becoming friends with John. It was a sad day when he had to move on. But when they got Neil, uh, the very first show they did was Massey Hall. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really been playing a lot. I'd been playing a, a few clubs here and there, but it wasn't a full time. And I certainly had no uh, professional experience whatsoever. So mm-hmm. I went to see the fly by night tour, the first show Neil did at Massey hall and the biggest influence I think it had of any live band I've ever seen is I realized that Neil was playing everything and so was Getty and Alex Mm -hmm. and there was no tapes Mm -hmm. there was no mistakes there was totally the opportunity to make a fool of yourself Mm -hmm. if you didn't do it right Mm -hmm. and that had the biggest influence on me as I say of any band I ever saw I just was completely blown away at the quality of the Mm -hmm. playing that uh, that I witnessed so I realized wow they went into a whole different world when they moved uh, drummers and got Neil. Yeah. Um, were you a fan? Does he, does Rush, are they on your radar? Do they mean anything special to you? Well, what they mean to me is certainly as a proud Canadian, a great trio, a great rock band. My love for Rush was uh, the Fly By, the first record, the Fly mm-hmm. By Night record and Caress of Steel. And then 
I really became a huge Frank Zappa fan with so uh-huh. many killer drummers, and uh, it changed everything for me. I wasn't so much into uh, the rock world that Rush was in. Mm-hmm. I know they played a lot of great stuff in odd time signatures, but I think what got me is uh, I was a Yes Genesis, Gentle mm-hmm. Giants fan, and uh Rush being categorized as one of the greatest progressive rock bands didn't do it for me. To me, they were a rock trio, and they were great at what they did. No argument whatsoever. Fantastic. And and fantastic players all in their own right. It just wasn't my style of music at the time. And uh, it, it just, we parted okay. musical companies mentally. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, you... uh, I did, oh, go ahead. I did... Uh, uh, leave Toronto and join Coney Hatch, and we were managed by Ray Daniels. And Ray Daniels was Rush's manager, and uh, also we were on the same record label, Anthem Records. So hmm. I had the privilege of some Christmas parties and some record release parties, uh, being a, uh, having having the special opportunity to be in the room and and share stories and times with the. Uh, Alex and Yeti and Neil. So mm. I feel very lucky for that. Good. Was he, um, you know, he's obviously famously a very private person in those social settings. Did he seem awkward? Did he keep to himself sort of in the corner or what were those, what was the atmosphere like? He seemed, uh, yeah, he always seemed a little awkward and, and certainly anybody that tried to center him out as an amazing musician just made him feel even more mm-hmm. awkward. He, uh, yeah. he wasn't that type of person in any way. And eventually, you know, as all the, uh, information states, he just started turning away from any kind of public appearances or mm-hmm. record company parties or anything to do with anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interesting. It, it, yeah. It's, it's very, very sad that you know, most people that are rush fans follow that, Neil went through uh, possibly the worst situation anybody that could ever want to happen in their life, losing a wife and losing a daughter within the same 12 months. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty devastating, and I think it it certainly added to his his privacy and his uh, becoming a total introvert. Amazing to even use the word introvert with Neil Peart when you think of videos and live performances. So true. yeah, he certainly was not when he sat behind that drum kit, but... No. Other than that, the, he shut out the world. Yeah, even as yeah. the show's state. I mean, once on tour, the very last show they ever did in their lives, he came to the front of the stage and hugged Alex and Getty. Oh. He never did that once in his entire life. They ended the show, he got off the drums and went to the dressing room. He always felt it was not his place to be mm-hmm. in front of the drums, ever. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Isn't that certainly. wild? Is there anything in particular that Neil was an influence on? You mentioned earlier sort of the things you were kind of learning. It's, I'm not a drummer. I'm not technical that way. But is there something that he did or, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of a fill or some kind of a something where you're like, I like that. I'm going to see if I can cop that. Or was it, yeah, exactly. was it by then it just didn't on your radar? No, it did. Okay. Yeah. Exactly what I was going to say, if you hadn't used the word Phil, was uh, a a great example of what Neil brought to the forefront of the rock world and drumming, which he used on many, many different songs in various ways, was that uh, 
that fill after the breakdown and fly by night when he comes mm-hmm. back into the beat. It's and that's the fill that uh, that changed it for me. Mm-hmm. I realized rather than doing all the way around or all the way around, you could split the two of them up and do and probably sounds funny coming out of my mouth, but that's the fill and that's what changed it for me. That's the language of drummers. I love it. Yeah, so, uh, so I uh, definitely, uh, prominently used that fill probably the first five years of my professional career as much as I could fit it in, That's in right. many different ways. And, and, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say Neil was responsible for that. Wild. I'm curious if you are familiar with where he grew up. He grew up in Hamilton, I believe, right? Yeah, so Hamilton is uh, 45... 15 minutes away. So I knew some of the stories. I knew uh, not too far from where he was from. But uh, he, he really just emerged on the scene so quickly after John Russi left the band. Yeah. Like it was, uh, it, it seemed overnight. I know it wasn't, but right. the stories were that I don't think he was uh, 100% convinced Rush was the way he wanted to go, but... <laughs> He ended up there and uh, and certainly changed their lives in a way that I don't think any other drummer could ever have done. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned being friends with John Rutsey. I mean, I know we're talking about Neil, but I, he's sort of an enigma. What was John like? Well, let me tell you a John Rutsey story. I didn't know if you would want to hear it, but maybe yes. the, the people who listen might like to hear it. Uh, maybe I was 17 or, uh, or 18. Uh I'm getting old, so I don't remember these dates exactly, but I was in a band starting to play full-time the bar circuit. Mm. And we got a bar gig in Toronto. And uh, the place was pretty packed. We were a pretty good cover band. And during the end of the first set, my hi-hat broke. (laughs) So the stand that holds my hi-hat together, the pedal broke, and it was not fixable. And John was in the audience, and he came up and asked me what was going on. And when I explained, he said, hey, I don't live too far. I'm going to go home and get mine. No way. And he, and he did and brought it back within 40 minutes and put it in place of, uh, of mine. And, you know, we went back on with the show. So that's the type of person he was. He didn't really know me from Adam, but uh-huh. he'd seen me, uh, seen me in the audience seeing Russia at bars like the Piccadilly Tube and the Gasworks that were you know, the big rock bars to play uh-huh. in Toronto. And and as just an acquaintance, he went out of his way to uh, to take a cab and go home and get this for me. That I just... Uh, crazy. Yeah, wow. it really was uh, It really was incredible. So he's down in my books as uh, one fantastic human being. That's it was a, a real pleasure to know him. Good. Good. Um, did you... I? It sounds as if... I would have assumed maybe that Toronto, your band... Uh, had maybe opened for Rush at some time, at some point along the way, but it sounds like maybe you didn't. Uh, well, I came in at the end of the second record, so the band had nearly two years together mm, without me. Point. I'm not sure of all the dates. I mean, uh, it's highly possible. Being in the band, uh, you know, we went from Ted Nugent to Journey, Rosington Collins, and Nazareth, and you know, so many uh, great bands that we opened for. It's highly possible before me, they did do a show or two with Rush. Yeah, okay. And I'm curious what you think Rush means to Canada. 
you know? I mean, they're sort of like the rock godfathers. I can't think of, I don't know of a band that's Canadian that's bigger or has a more, a bigger presence. Maybe I'm, well, I don't maybe think there obvious. is a bigger band out of Canada. I really <laughs> couldn't possibly come up with one. I mean, I'm a huge fan of so many tremendous Canadian artists. I mean, Gordon mm -hmm. Lightfoot, Anne Murray, mm -hmm. Gino Vanelli, Triumph, Brian Adams. I mean, the list does go mm -hmm. on, but there is one band that has just clicked with everybody in the world as the greatest thing that's ever hit music. And, you know, it's it's impossible mm -hmm. to argue with. It, it's Rush. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a bigger band that walked the face of the earth uh, you know, other than Led Zeppelin, maybe, or the Rolling Stones, but you know, Rush was uh, Rush yeah. was that for Canada, and they took over the world with that same feeling. Yeah. What do you think they do from here? You know, what do you think Re Getty and Alex retire and kind of do their own thing? Uh, you can't really replace Neil, but maybe you bring someone on to do tributes. What do you think they might do? I don't think there'll ever be anything to do with Rush again. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. I know. Uh, Andy Curran, who was the bass player in Coney Hatch, still is, actually, because they do some shows here and there. He has a very strong relationship with Getty, and mm. they do spend uh, quite a bit of time together, and Getty has other business ventures in the works mm -hmm. that Andy helps them with. So mm. you know, nobody's sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Alex has a number of projects on the go. So, you know, I'm, okay. I'm sure the last thing that's ever going to happen is a replacement for Neil because there yeah. really isn't one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of all the bands that replace drummers, I think this would be the biggest <laughs> farce ever. Rush <laughs> is Rush. And, and to go out and say, okay, now we've got Terry Bozio <laughs> would, just be, would just be absolutely silly. I think they'd get laughed at. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I think they're smart enough to know that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a shame. Um, I did want to ask before we closed up this conversation. I'm curious what's going on with Toronto. What are you guys? Well, we doing had these uh, days? we had a good year. We just did a show, uh, you know, ten days ago or so with Sweet. If you remember the nice, Sweet, of course. Yeah, yeah. Ballroom Blitz. They had uh, they pounded out a lot of hits, and they were the nicest guys. So uh, I made a bunch of new friends. Uh, I am also now the uh, Canadian ambassador and endorser for Bill Ludwig's new drum company, WFL3 Drums. So okay. I'm on the road doing clinics and promoting drums with Bill. We're in Vancouver in a couple of weeks at the Drumio Festival with all kinds of great players and uh, showcases, showcasing Bill's new drum line. Toronto's got uh, a few shows so far this year. We always do mainly casinos and outdoor festivals, mm -hmm. but... Last year was pretty good. I'd say we were probably averaging in the last couple of years from seven to 10,000 people in uh, a wow. lot of great environments. And, and the oh. band is, the band has got great players in it now. So well, we're looking Jeez. forward to it. It's really uh, our 40th anniversary, 40 years since oh. Toronto did their first uh, record. So mm -hmm. wow. maybe we'll get, uh, maybe we'll get a few extra shows out of it. Who knows? A lot of bands, they're 40 years this year. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, oh, that's great. I still, I mean, I think I mentioned this to you when we talked before. I would just, it, it hurts me that I don't think I'm going to get a chance to see Toronto live until I make it up there for one of these festivals or casinos because you guys don't come down here very often, if ever. Right, right? yeah. We, we, we have a Canadian agent, uh, Canadian classic rock and Bernie Aubin, and 
you know, he's one of the best in the business, but uh, he keeps us in Canada. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. Love to wow. play in uh, America again, as we used to, but that opportunity has not reared its head. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for talking with me, Barry. I, um... Oh, John, it's a pleasure, always. All right, there you have it, Barry Connors. Um, I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you'll look into Toronto. If you're not familiar with them or haven't heard them for a while, go check out their stuff. I'm a big fan of one, probably one of their better albums or maybe the most accessible was from the early 80s. It's called Girls' Night Out. One of my favorite songs of all time, When Can I See You Again, is off of that album. I love that song. So anyway, check out them. Find them on Facebook. I believe it's Hollywoods and Toronto. If you want to look that up on Facebook, you can follow them on there. Barry's such a great guy. We're so lucky to know people like Barry and to hear from them on topics like this. Let's close it out with Fly By Night and see if you can hear that little drum fill that Barry mentioned that was so impactful to him in this song. Okay? Thanks, everybody. We love you. Thank you.